1: are numerous, but the good news is we're all redeemable. Now let me read you what I wrote in the conclusion of my study of this time through this parable. The question is, what kind of dirt are you? If not good soil, what do you need to do to alter your current condition? The whole parable comes down to very simply what kind of impact the Word of God has in your life. That's the point of the entire parable
0: jesus taught through many parables during his earthly ministry today pastor danny discusses the parable of the sower the sower is someone who teaches the gospel to another the seed is the word of god and the soil is the environment in the hearer's heart the power is in the seed but have you created an environment accepting of the seed do you water maintain and turn the soil often in order to help the seed take root work diligently to keep out weeds and rocks and become fertile soil Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter four, as he continues his message to hear or not to hear.
1: That type of soil uh, produces a hotbed for rapid germination, so that the plants come up quickly and they grow quickly. But because there's no root, when it hits high noon, the sun scorches the plant, and it withers. I've been doing this for a long time now. I've seen the hard soil. And I've seen the rocky soil. These people, man, they respond and they accept Christ. And they, they man, they're like, they're testifying for the Lord. They're getting involved in everything, you know. And, and, and these type of people, these type of people can, can make even me convicted. They make you feel like I'm lukewarm compared to them. I mean, they are, just, they are just on it, man. And they are out there. And you just go, man, they are just on fire. And then the testing hits. And you go, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Oh, didn't you hear? And you go, really? Not them. They were so on fire. They were so involved. What happened? I don't know if you're aware, but let me just inform you. The testing is going to come. There's nothing you can do about it. And you have to have testing. Why? For a lot of reasons. Testing proves your genuineness. First Peter chapter one. These trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. It proves who's the real deal and who's not. Testing is necessary. If your roots are going to go down and you become, a, become established, not easily moved. And that's what James says. Although James, James says it the way we don't like to hear it, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. You got to get through the tough times. And it will come. Testing reveals the impurities of the heart. And they're there in every one of us. Let me read you from Deuteronomy chapter 8. As God led the children of Israel in the wilderness wanderings, he's looking to teach them. And he says in verse 2 of Deuteronomy 8, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years? To humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Now, please, I need to say this every time I read this. God's not looking to find out what's in their heart. He knows what's in every heart. He wants them to know what's in their heart so they can let him deal with it. Whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Manna is Christ, supernatural food which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word, there's the seed, every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Testing develops faith because you got to get to a point in maturity where now when the finances dip and, and you go, well, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust the Lord. When the circumstance is not that pleasurable and you go, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust the Lord. And you keep going back to the word, the word, the word, and the word feeds you and the word sustains you and the word encourages you. And your roots begin to go deep so that nothing moves you. It's not sinless perfection, it's maturity. You begin to live by faith, not by sight, by faith, not by feelings, by faith, not by circumstances. And then there's the soil among the thorns and the seed sown on this kind of soil. And there are three things about this type of soil. One is... The worries of life choke the word, making it fruitful. The worries of life. It's interesting the word there. It's not a bad word. Matter of fact, the same word used when Paul talks about his concern, his worry, his care, concern for all the churches. Same word. So these are things in life uh, that are things that you, hey, you got to take care of. It It would be wrong not to take care of. You get married. You better be a faithful husband and a good husband or you're going to be in trouble. you you, you married. you be a wife. You have responsibility to one another. As Christians, you have responsibility. Uh, if God blesses you with children, whoa, oh, you'll mature or you'll die. <laughs> or the children will die. Somebody will die. Look, you got a job. You gotta be responsible on the job. And there's sometimes, there's seasons in life where the job takes more than normal. Sometimes it's more than 40 hours a week. Maybe it's more than 40 hours a week for longer than you'd like. The kids start to grow up, they get on the teams. And at one time, we had three boys on three different little league teams. God help us. And he did. That day is over. I mean, it's just busy. How many of you retired and you're busier now than you were before you retired? Anybody in this service? You're retired and you're busier now. Look at the hands. I wish we could encourage you to say life's going to get a little easier. It's not. (laughs) Or a little less busy. It's not. I am not bored at all. There's so much to do and things that you need to do if you're a responsible human being. But the danger is with this type of soil, those things can become the priority. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he opens by saying in verse 25, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is life more important than food? He's not talking about not being responsible. He's talking about what's your priority. And he makes that clear when he says in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And listen to this promise. And all these things that you're worried about will be added. They'll be given to you. I'm living this verse and I'm not trying to boast. I'm just telling you, I've been living it for years. I've never focused on getting rich. I've never asked for a raise. And I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you the truth. And God's taking care of me. And I'm blessed more financially than I could have ever imagined. But look, I know there's a lot of people that can say that here. We're living out this scripture in life. And this is the way it ought to be. But if you're not careful, you become that soil and the rocky place and and the worries of life and the cares of life. All of a sudden, it's it's just soccer. That's become your life. Well, soccer may be your life for now, but don't let soccer keep you away from the priorities of the kingdom. I like to get a sticker that goes by the one on the, the van that says, I'm a soccer mom, but I'm a kingdom mom. too. I like to put the kingdom first and the soccer underneath it. And it's a challenge. I know it's a challenge, but it can be done or Jesus wouldn't have said it. Now you have to decide before the Lord when you'd have to give something up for the sake of the kingdom. But he's not saying you have to give everything up. you am no, not saying your kids can't play soccer or whatever. That's not what he's saying. There are things in life. But you don't allow those things to become the priorities. And then this type of soil, wealth can get it too. It's the deception of wealth. The definition of the word is literally an abundance of external possessions. Jesus said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's not the car you drive. It's not the house you live in. It is not your bank account. That's not what determines what your life is all about. By the way, Paul told Timothy, command those in the church who are rich in this age to be generous and willing to share. And if he's blessed you materially, one of the marks of your genuineness and your spirituality is you are generous with what you have. We don't need to spend a lot of time there. I think you got this one. And the third thing about this type of soil is is the fill-in-the-blank, the The desire for other things. There's a blank you can fill in with just anything else. I've seen people in in the church, and all of a sudden they go from wanting to play the instrument for the Lord, now they want to play instrument in the world because the world will give them more glory. All of a sudden now they, they don't want to shoot the hoop, you know, for the Lord, they want to shoot the hoop for the world. And it's okay to shoot the hoop for, in the world, but not for the world. There's the thing, in the world, but not for the world. I love what Daryl Mansfield, Christian musician from my day, and he was being interviewed, and i never forget, I saw it on TV, and he's being interviewed on his talk show. And it was when Amy Grant, if you know that name, was crossing over into secular music. And they ask him, what do you think about Amy Grant crossing over? And you know what Daryl Mansfield said? Boy, it's a nugget I have never forgotten. He said, I think it's okay to cross over as long as you take the crossover." <laughs> Isn't that a great statement? <laughs> I think it's okay to cross over as long as you take the crossover. Jesus said, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. And that's this one. The worldly pursuits. Interesting in the parable or the story of the parable of the the great banquet in Luke chapter 14. And and I'm not going to spend time there, but you'll get this one right away too. Um, When the invitation for the banquet, and the banquet represents the great banquet that all the saved will be at one day. The great wedding supper of the Lamb. But they all, when the invitation goes out, they began to make excuses. Here's the first excuse. I just bought a field. I must go and see it. Second excuse, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I must try them out. Business is expanding. And the third one's interesting. I just got married. I know some of you just got married. Watch out. All of a sudden, it's just the things and and life and now married and the priorities of the kingdom are secondary to now you. Being married and getting a the house and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Be careful. Last but not least, there's the seed on good soil. I think one of the reasons Jesus explained this parable to their dullness, these handful, including the 12, is because as they would go out now and do ministry and as they would sow the seed of the word, they would have to learn that no matter how hard they work and how hard they study and how faithful they are in sowing the seed, there's all these type of soils out there. And some, you're going to give it everything you got, and it's going to go in one ear and it's going to go out the other. And they'll be back at church, but they're not not going to be any different. They're going to be the same next week as they were this week. They're going to be some, and man, they are going to just take off like a rocket. And then one day you're going to look around and they're going to be gone. You go, what in the world happened to them? And they're going to be those that over time, the worries of life and just life itself choke the fruitfulness. Some that the paycheck's going to get bigger and all of a sudden that paycheck's going to lead them into the deception of things that money can buy and they're going to lose things that money can't buy. And there are going to be some that you fill in the blank and all of a sudden they get their eyes set on this and that's their pursuit in life now. But there are out there some that are good dirt. And here's the characteristics of the good soil. They do more than listen. They hear it and they walk away and the word, they digest it and it's lived out in life. It changes their life. It changes their priorities. It changes their direction. It changes their decision making. And when the tough times come, and in the tough times, the genuine may take two steps forward and three steps back, but they'll come back again. The genuine, it doesn't mean that you don't get out of focus. It just means that you realize in time you're out of focus and you get back in focus. And you may come close in the time of testing and you may question God and you will and you may go through everything that anybody else would go through. But if you are the real deal and you let the word continue to have its way in your life, you'll get through that tough time and you'll come out the other side. And when you come out the other side, you'll realize, you'll realize one day there's some roots that went down during that time. All of a sudden, you got, you got a little bit of maturity through that tough time. And now, the next tough time that comes, you won't bend as easily. You won't be swayed as easily. They maintain kingdom priorities, and I'll tell you what, that takes a daily, daily focus. Because life doesn't get any less busy. Hebrews 12 11, the fruit of righteousness produces righteousness in your life. You're living right. You're not living perfect, but you're living right. Hebrews 13, 15, the fruit of lips that confess his name. These people, the words really have an effect. You'll find them, praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. I mean, it's just a normal part of their life. They're just talking about the Lord. They come and they don't come and they don't, they don't come after the song service. They don't want to miss the song service. Why? Because they want to sing unto the Lord. With the rest of the family of God. You find somebody. You tell, you show me somebody who never sings unto the Lord. I'll show you somebody who's got a spiritual problem. Philippians 4.17. Paul said. I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He was talking about the financial investment into his kingdom ministry. And if they just gave financially and they did. He says. That's fruit for you. You've borne fruit. Just by writing the check. Just by giving the, the, making the investment in the kingdom. Romans 13 Paul talked about going to a different geographic area. He said that I might have some fruit among you also. And there he was talking about new converts to Christ. He's talking about new Christians. There's fruit. 1945 was an amazing year because in 1945, 27-year-old preacher showed up out of seemingly nowhere. His name's Billy Graham. Before long, Billy Graham is Packing auditoriums across America. He would eventually preach to people in most countries around the world. But in that same year, two other fireballs, Chuck Templeton and Braun Clifford. In 1946, the National Association of Evangelicals published an article on men who were, quote, best used of God, unquote, in the ministry that had at that time been in existence for five years called Youth for Christ. Chuck Templeton and Billy Graham were both preachers for Youth for Christ at that time. In the article, they highlighted the ministry of Chuck Templeton and never once even mentioned Billy Graham. Chuck Templeton was the more likely one. Bron Clifford was what many considered the most gifted and powerful preacher the church had seen in centuries. He was tall, handsome, intelligent, and eloquent. Now, from that time, fast forward five years. These three guys, where were they in five years? Templeton left the ministry to pursue a career as a radio and television commentator and newspaper columnist. He said... Publicly, that he no longer believed in Christ in the orthodox sense of the term. Four years later, and during those years, Bron Clifford lost his family, his ministry, his health, and soon after, his life. Alcohol and financial irresponsibility ruined his life. And then took his life. At the age of 35 years old, Bron Clifford died of cirrhosis of the liver in a rundown motel outside of Amarillo, Texas. A bunch of preachers that knew him took up a collection to get him a decent burial. What was the difference? A few years ago after teaching on the parable of what I call the parable of the soils, the next week I got an email from a fellow in the church. I knew him. I still know him. The irony is he's no longer a part of a church fellowship, which is an absolute shame. Let me read you what he wrote me. I'm an agronomist. An agronomist is a soil and plant scientist, sometimes referred to as a scientific farmer. But it is this education, as well as my history, I grew up on a farm, that brings the parable of the four soils to life. And I relate to so well. I've heard many others teach on this same parable, but I have yet to hear teaching about how all four soils are amendable and capable of being good soils, which I had said in that teaching. In all four soils, cultivation would bring new life to the soil. The path which suffers from compaction can be easily brought into good tillage with plowing. The rocky soil requires a little more effort, but turning under the rocks and bringing more soil to the surface may help. However, the best way to keep a rocky soil producing is by allocating more water and nutrients to the soil. The thorny soil can be turned into a productive land, not by removing the thorns, but by using them as indicator plants. They indicate what's really wrong with the soil. Some indicate acid soil, some alkaline, some the presence of insects and other pests. As an agronomist, I've been trained to cure the cause, not the symptom. It's not enough just to pull the thorns out. They'll just spring right back. But to find the reason for them and eliminate the reason. The good soil has no need except to be maintained because foot traffic can turn into a path. Erosion can make it into a rocky soil. And without frequent regeneration and rest, it can become weedy or the thorns can choke it. The analogies are numerous, but the good news is we're all redeemable. Now, let me read you what I wrote in the conclusion of my study of this time through this parable. The question is, what kind of dirt are you? If not good soil, what do you need to do to alter your current condition? The whole parable comes down to very simply what kind of impact the Word of God has in your life. That's the point of the entire parable if I respond correctly to the word of God my priorities change my sinful desires are denied in favor of godly desires my goals are set on eternal and not temporal things my passion is for earthly not for earthly possessions but for and glory but for rather eternal possessions where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal I went and read after I studied at 2nd Timothy 4 7 Paul says I finished the race I've kept the faith. I'm thankful that I stand here at 59 years old and so far I've made it. I want to make it to the end. What kind of dirt are you?
0: joining us today to study the book of Mark on the living word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website ccfstpete.church. Just look under the resources tab and click on teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're in the St. Petersburg area, join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to learn in the Book of Mark. Pastor Danny will continue looking into this important gospel book right here on The Living Word.